Welcome to the NutraCast, a production by Nutra Ingredients USA. I'm Danielle Masterson. Thank you for joining me here on the NutraCast, where we talk and share insights from inside the nutrition industry. Not long ago, the idea of cannabis-infused beverages taking a share of beer, wine, and spirit sales would have been laughable. But some companies are laughing all the way to the bank. According to Brightfield Research, THC-infused beverages will account for $1 billion in U.S. sales by 2025, and CBD drinks are expected to hit $2.5 billion. Joining me now is Vertosa CEO Ben Larson, who is on hand to discuss the rising growth in infused beverages and the science behind them. Hi, Ben, and welcome to the NutriCast. Hi, Danielle. Great to be here. Really excited to have the conversation. I'm excited to have you on. So for those who don't know, what is Vertosa? Uh, Vertosa is an active ingredient manufacturer for the infused cannabis and hemp industry. And we primarily infuse products like beverages and, and fast acting gummies. So creating more efficacious, more reliable products. Talking about beverages, can you infuse cannabis and CBD and things into pretty much anything, or do you have to stick to certain beverages? Uh, yeah, pretty much uh, anything's on the table. And what we've really hung our hat on uh, is understanding the complexity of, of beverages. And so, you know, we specialize in nano emulsions. And essentially what a nano emulsion is doing is, is taking an oil extract from the plant and then making it friendly with water. The thing is, you know, not every water system is the same. And so a red wine might require a different treatment from say a coffee or a seltzer. So our team has gotten really good at understanding just all the different types of beverages out there, you know, how ingredients work with, uh, you know, various natural sweeteners, the manufacturing processes, you know, the various types of heat treatment that something might go through. And then, you know, something that's uh, been discussed in the market is also the packaging that it goes into. And so really understanding the full system uh, so that when we deliver a product to market, you know, the, the consumer is getting precisely what is marketed to them and what they're anticipating from the product. Wow. So many factors to take into consideration. And then also one thing is taste. I mean, that has to be sort of a challenge, right? It is, um, you know, and, and taste is like this ever evolving and hyper subjective, you know, label, you know, in the very beginning when, when infused products uh, were first coming onto the market, everyone's like, oh, we want clear and flavorless. And they wanted to do, you know, CBD seltzers. And, you know, that's something that we really drove towards and, and, you know, successfully delivered a handful to market, but that conversation is nuanced. You know, what is taste, you know, is water flavorless? No, you know, and beyond taste, you know, what does mouth feel like? And so these are all components that we pay a lot of attention to. And anyone that's formulated with other, you know, nutraceuticals knows that it's not always as easy as putting an invisible ingredient into something, you know, B12 uh, wasn't super easy to incorporate into a bunch of products. And a lot of formulators know that how the conversation is actually evolving is really understanding the other compounds in the plant and their, their collective benefits for those of us that have operated more on the cannabis side of, of the supply chain. You know, there's this concept of the, the entourage effect and, you know, all the components of plants can, can really benefit from a health and wellness perspective. So you know, terpenes and flavonoids, like these are things that will certainly impact flavor. And, and the question we need to ask ourselves is, are we only interested in the benefits of the active ingredient? Or do we want to consider cannabis or hemp as 
for its flavor profile and, and build things that are, are more herbaceous or floral in nature. And then I think, you know, in, in some cases it's perceived as a limitation, but in other cases, it's an opportunity. I think we've seen a lot of trends in, in consumer packaged goods that have leaned into more sophisticated kind of flavor profiles like that. That's so fascinating. So based on some of your R&D and talking with consumers, what, what are you looking at? You know, there's, uh, I think CBD and, and on, again, on the regulated cannabis side, THC, this, those are two compounds amongst hundreds available in the hemp and cannabis plant. And as you get down into the more rare or minor cannabinoids and terpenes, like there's just a lot to explore and, and people are starting to reveal that. So you see, you know, sleep products on the market where people are pairing CBN with other ingredients that promote you know, good sleep. There are even THC uh, analogs that, you know, might not give you the munchies when you consume it. And so maybe there's therapeutic aspects there without, you know, thickening the waistline. Um, so, you know, as, as people kind of explore these, these different ingredients at hand and really try to understand how they interact with the body, you know, frankly, from our perspective, there's just like an infinite opportunity to learn about the plant. And since stigmatized for so long, well over a century, we have a lot of catching up to do. And, and it's like a science-based company. We get excited every day to get into the lab and really understand all the different avenues we can, we can uncover. Ben, you mentioned the stigma associated with cannabis and you also brought up science. And I'm wondering, are you using science to legitimize cannabis and make it more mainstream? Yeah. So, you know, the company is about three and a half years old at this point. And when we first launched, we just saw, frankly, a lot of you know, I don't know if I would even go as far to say as to call them bad actors, but certainly people that it didn't know or care enough about the product that they were putting on the shelves to build consumer trust. And there was so little known about CBD and, and other compounds that there just wasn't enough education that was occurring. And so when we launched the company, our primary goal was to infuse trust into the cannabis and hemp supply chain. We had one core value when we launched the company, and that was trust. And every decision we made, every action we made for every day, at least for the first year and, and ongoing through now, but like, and I say through the first year, because literally we only had one core value for that first year was, was to build trust. And that was doing the research necessary to be able to say what we knew and what we didn't. And if we didn't know something, we didn't try to like sweep it under the rug. We actually publicized it. And that pushed us to learn more and more. And I think we all seen the headlines where it's like, oh, do these products actually have CBD in it? Because they aren't doing anything. And it's like, you know, there, there were some people that had products on the market that were claiming to have hemp and CBD in it, but there wasn't any. And so it was really important for us to kind of show what a good efficacious product is because there are many benefits to, to hemp and CBD. So it's like, why stifle progress in, in the name of earning profits for your company? Right. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of had to put an end to that if we wanted to see progress and acceptance into the mainstream. There are so many benefits, like you mentioned, and I'm just wondering what are some of those benefits and desired effects that brands and people are asking for? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's an interesting position to be an ingredient company that does have access to, to creating these things. People do definitely look at cannabis and hemp as like, you know, the panacea of, of like health solutions, mm -hmm. um, which oddly enough, there are many applications to various levels of success. And 
Uh, I think the best way to answer it is that kind of like going back a little bit and just understanding why there's benefits and every human, every mammal, you know, has like a complex endocannabinoid system with receptors all over the body. And that is why it's really hard for us to put CBD and other, other cannabinoids into any particular bucket, which, you know, we love to do, especially in Western culture. Yeah. Uh, it's like, yeah. Oh, that goes into, you know, the, the vice bucket, or that goes into pharmaceutical bucket, but like, you know, with, with cannabis and hemp, maybe it is like a vitamin, you know, we have this complex receptor system in our bodies and we only think of it as a drug because that's how as humans, we've classified it over the last century. But if you think of like this endocannabinoid system that we have that is designed to interact with these compounds, like why wouldn't we think of it as vitamin C? That said, so that, that's very, you know, <laughs> that's very high level, but like getting down to brass tacks, you know, CBD and, and many of the other compounds, you know, do have, you know, very strong ties to like, you know, anti-anxiety, anti-inflammation. I personally can speak anecdotally. I've used it to wean myself off of an alcohol dependency. There's many research studies that have shown the ability to wean people off of opioid dependencies. And so mm -hmm. far reaching, very broad. And, you know, like I was mentioning earlier, there's even, you know, THC analogs that do have some psycho psychoactive effects that might not give you the munchies, might actually energize you and get you out. And so people are using it for exercise to get them in the zone and really get them focused on just working out. And then obviously there's like the post-workout effect where you can uh, use CBD and CBG and, and others for anti-inflammation and recovery. So the possibilities are endless, but I think the important thing here is that, you know, it's just another ingredient. So when we talk, you know, when, when cannabis focus, you know, it's like, we, we talk about the entourage effect a lot about all these different cannabinoids and terpenes working together for greater impact, but why limit it just to the plant? Why not combine CBD with turmeric and other anti-inflammatory, you know, ingredients or ashwagandha and CBD and CBN for more relaxing, you know, sleep product. So, you know, especially when it comes to the non-psychoactive realm, that the hemp realm, you know, thinking of it as another active ingredient that you can add to your quiver to create more efficacious consumer products. Are you working with some brands and partners who want to combine some of those botanicals and ingredients that you mentioned with CBD, CBN, cannabis, and things along those lines? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we, um, we work with about 100 brands actively in the market right now banning beverage and gummies, mouth sprays, like different, different types of applications. And, you know, it's happening at a really great time. There's the better for you, you know, movement, especially in the beverage category. There's also the low no movement where, you know, people are dealkalizing things and creating beautiful canvases to be infused. And so we just get to have really great conversations. We, you know, for instance, in the regulated cannabis market, work with a company called Click. They have developed these mouth sprays for different applications, whether it's to be uplifting and social or to be sedative and, and used for sleep. And the sleep product, for instance, has combined concentrated dose of, of CBD, a little bit of THC, and then melatonin. And this combination is hyper effective. And you can use just very little melatonin. And so you don't have to worry about the melatonin dependencies that some of the other products on the market are allegedly creating, right? I, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a doctor, so I don't want to pass any official judgment on melatonin, but 
I, I've been hearing it a lot lately uh, mm-hmm. in speaking with customers. Um, you know, alternatively, we focus on the hemp side of the market. Uh, we see a lot of CBD and caffeine, which is a really interesting combination where you can have an energizing product that is, I guess, smoother of an experience where the the edges and jitteriness of the caffeine are kind of rounded out and, and, and made to be just a much cleaner feeling energy from our perspective. And so, you know, we're, we're seeing products get more and more sophisticated and it's it's really exciting. You know, it's the, the normalization and acceptance of the individual compounds, which that conversation needs to be had because it's, it's such a complex plant that has been relegated to being a singular or maybe two hemp and cannabis, like two drugs, right? Yeah. Where like cocaine is a drug. Cocaine has a, you know, a molecular structure and like is easy to define, but like cannabis is you know, 400 different compounds that are all interacting to create various experiences, not to mention, you know, every person has a a different endocannabinoid system that processes that differently. Yeah. It's a conversation that is so long overdue. And, uh, what are some of the hurdles of regulations and things that you have to overcome? Are you experiencing those complexities? Are you just kind of sticking with states that are legal and, and not worrying about these other states just yet? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think I uh, I don't know if I'm a masochist, but I think we've decided to choose the the hardest position to to navigate. But you know, it's because we really care and believe in the plant. So you know, at the end of the day, hemp is cannabis, and cannabis is hemp, right? It's the same plant; they just have different concentrations of those compounds. And so that was an arbitrary line that was drawn in the sand, probably by some government official. Um, yeah, <laughs> and you know, it's our job to educate and work beyond that. And so we're kind of skating to where the puck is going and saying, yeah, if you want to work with cannabinoids or terpenes or anything derived from the hemp and cannabis plants, you know, come to us and we'll, we'll figure it out on the back end. And and what that has turned into on the back end is frankly running two sides of the business, sometimes three or four, because the regulations are so fragmented. So just focusing on hemp, for instance, even here in the U.S., we still don't have clear guidance from the FDA on, on using cannabinoids from the hemp plant in food. And so while the farm bill passed you know, years ago, we're still waiting for, for that clear guidance for it to you know, technically be legal. But it's kind of reached pseudo-legal activity, uh, which is kind of weird because it's less regulated now than the cannabis side of the business. Uh, the challenge with cannabis is that it is, you know, state to state and country to country. And so we have multiple facilities, uh, I think seven different regions at the moment where we have created satellite labs and are creating local specific ingredients. And so, you know, I'm sitting in Chicago right now. We are looking at launching a new facility here, but uh, we have facilities in uh, Michigan, Massachusetts, Texas, Colorado, Canada, Uh, in our headquarters in in California. And we have to do that to ensure that products can have access to a larger market, you know, otherwise, if they're using an active ingredient that they formulated around their product, they're relegated to wherever they can have access to it and sell it. And oftentimes that's state limited on the cannabis side. So, you know, with, with hemp, it's kind of this patchwork of accessibility where, you know, we're currently shipping to Switzerland and the UK and, and elsewhere, you know, Canada, because it's all regulated under one umbrella with health Canada, with hemp and cannabis, we actually had to create a a facility in Canada just 
to serve both sides of the market up there. So even, even that concept, the, the separation between hemp and cannabis is different from country to country. And so for us to be able to provide the same opportunity and narrative to all of our clients, uh, it requires a lot of work from a regulatory perspective on back end. That is the understatement of the year. I mean, it's got to be. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Did I, I probably made everyone go cross-eyed just there. I need to dial it back a little bit. <laughs> this, is, this is the life I get to live every day. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, yeah, it, it's a full-time job and then some, just keeping mm-hmm. up with the day-to-day with all the changes in terms of regulations. And then, like you mentioned, the CBD, the hemp, the cannabis. I mean, it's so fragmented. So I'm sure you had to build that facility in Canada, but having it under one umbrella probably made things easier, at least in that country. In a way it does. Yeah. I mean, depending on who you're talking to, there's always, you know, always challenges in these highly regulated markets, you know, in Canada, for instance, the Ontario cannabis store, which is government owned a monolith that sits right in the middle of the supply chain. So all the purchasing and all the distribution goes through a government owned entity. So any product approvals, any of that, it's a very long and intense process to get your products in the market. Of course, there's a benefit to that. Once you get approved and once you're on the market, then it's like, you know, kind of guaranteed getting in front of every retailer that's in the Canadian market. And so, you know, it's very nuanced, but you know, the other aspect is, because there's all these independent markets, the level of sophistication is, is different in every market. And thus the level of education to the consumer is different in every market. And so brands in particular need to really understand, understand this. Like, you know, they're, they need to really to be successful and have sell through and, and to be sustainable, you know, not just ride the, the hype. They have to have like a deep connection to their consumer base and need to understand that that, that sophistication of the consumer could be widely different everywhere. And the industry really doesn't help because the industry like constantly adds confusion to the space because it's moving faster than the government can keep up. So they can't even make rules that like make sense with the speed of the market. Right. The industry is, is handcuffed until, you know, THC drinks have regulatory access to a broader market, at least here in the U.S., so mm-hmm. what, what do you forecast for 2022 in terms of infused beverages, especially those with, say, THC and other cannabis-derived ingredients? Yeah, I mean, super excited about the category, right? Like when we started the company three years ago, um, you know, CBD beverages were just coming on in the market. People were trying to figure out what they were for. We were trying to figure out if they actually had CBD in them. Um, and on the cannabis side, like, there was very little as far as infused beverages go that like you would walk into a licensed dispensary or something like that. And there wouldn't even be like a beverage section or refrigerator even. And so that was a dream of ours is to work hard and long enough to see it become normal. And, and now I'm happy to report that, you know, in California and many other places, like it's hard to go in a dispensary and not see a fridge filled with beverages. And that is why, or indicative of that is, you know, it's, it's the fastest growing category in the space and it's far exceeding any growth rates that we're seeing for, you know, categorically across cannabis or hemp. Um, so that, that makes us really excited about 2022, not to mention just, you know, people are just very comfortable with beverage. I, you know, anyone listening to this podcast, I'm sure is like very understanding of the opportunity with beverage, you know, as a vehicle, right. But with 
something that's been stigmatized for so long, you know, it's really heartening to see elderly consumers trying cannabis or hemp for the very first time, simply because it's in a trustworthy form factor. So that's super exciting. 2022, there are talks about, you know, the FDA giving us guidance for the hemp side of the business. There's this new proposal on the cannabis side from the GOP, uh, which came out of left field and, and really kind of brought a lot of excitement and opportunity for kind of a bipartisan uh, legalization effort. And then I think we're going to see just a huge development and pressure to build just clear rules and regulations around kind of this emerging minor cannabinoid or hemp derived minor cannabinoids that are being sold in the open market. You know, people are getting very creative with chemistry and they're creating, you know, compounds that are indicative of the regulated cannabis plant, but being sold as hemp derived compounds. Um, gotcha. I think it's causing a lot of confusion <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to put it nicely. Like you mentioned, I think, you know, beverages are making a very approachable market entry point for a lot of brands. It is interesting to see older people that they never in a million years probably would have smoked anything. But the fact that you're putting it in beverages, I think it's a, an approachable market entry point for brands. And it's also something that a lot of people would be more open to trying. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I can just absolutely confirm that, you know, it is an entry point and people start to realize, oh, I can meter my dosing and I can understand how this is impacting me and they can control the experience a lot better. So frankly, from a safety perspective, it, it's, it's really great. But I've seen it. It's, it's people then realize the benefits and start to think about like, oh, what, what uses do I have for this? And now I see entire communities like within my own family where they had never consumed ever. And now every one of them and every one of their friends are walking into dispensaries and, and purchasing products. And so, you know, to be able to educate and bring consumers on this journey is a huge opportunity, responsibility, however you want to look at it um, for this category. And it's really exciting to think like, oh, how do we get people into the product category and then build products for them and keep them in as a, as a long-term customer? Mm -hmm. It is a sight to see. And uh, before I let you go, any other research or news updates that you'd like to share? Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I mentioned the legal movement. I think that's really exciting. And I kind of started alluding to uh, some of these minor cannabinoids, but I guess I'll, I'll take the opportunity to be a little bit more explicit about it because I'm pretty darn passionate about it. Um, essentially, what people are doing are taking CBD and other compounds and converting them through a chemical process uh, to create Delta-8 THC, Delta-9 THC, Delta-10 THC, THCO acetate. These are all psychoactive compounds, the last of which that THCO acetate three times more potent than THC. Oh, and boy. they are marketing them and selling them on the unregulated hemp market. And I don't know where to start about the potential implications of that. You know, it's, uh, first let's start at consumer safety, right? It's not some glorified CBD simply because it was converted from CBD. It is a psychoactive compound. And the intent of the law is that these are not sold in the open market. And so that is something that needs to be said. And I know there's someone probably listening to this that has their own Delta A product on the market. And they're probably asking me to shut up right now, but I'm not going to. Um, <laughs> and, you know, the other aspect is we're trying like fighting tooth and nail year after year to get the regulated cannabis market into the mainstream and federally legal. 
we want to be regulated. <laughs> and I hear you uh, banging your fist on the desk. You sound very passionate about this. Yes. No, it's like we want to be regulated, right? We we want this to be safe and we we self-govern and we're held to very high standards and we're working hard and it's very expensive. And to see, you know, a head shop pop up next to a legal dispensary and sell products at a half the price, but essentially the same active compounds, it's very disconcerting. And so it's going to break trust in the consumer. It's going to break trust in the regulators. And frankly, it has the potential to kill a lot of businesses that are trying to do it the right way. So I don't know. It don't do it. Be cognizant of it. If you're going to do it, like at least know like what you're doing. It, and if you're a retailer that's being sold this, ask more questions. It might be technically legal because someone got a, a lawyer's opinion, but it's not legal and it won't be legal forever. That's a good stuff to keep in mind. Vertosa CEO, Ben Larson. Thank you so much for infusing us with some knowledge here on the NutriCast. Thanks so much, Ninyan. Thanks for uh, giving me a little bit of a soapbox there at the end. <laughs> if you like what you just heard, you could subscribe to the NutriCast wherever you get your podcast. You can also head to NutraIngredients-USA.com for even more Nutri-related content. Thank you for listening. I'm Danielle Masterson. As always, I'll catch you here on the NutriCast next week. <laughs>